You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast, episode number 60. Today, we have Chelsea from Nebraska with us, and we are so excited to share her story. She shares the story of her repeat cesarean that she was allowed to make all the calls for. She called all the shots. She made the best decision for her family with a supportive birth team and supportive care for her scheduled repeat cesarean and she followed her intuition the whole way through. So when she's done telling her story, we're going to talk a little bit about intuition and how it will help you make the best decisions for your birth. But first, before we get into any of that, Megan has our review of the week. Hey, you guys. So we have a review from Roxy Rutt on Apple Podcasts, and she says, listening to these podcasts have been truly inspiring. I've been on my own hopeful VBAC journey and listening to others' story has been incredibly helpful in my mental preparation. My due date is April 17th, which that was six is days ago. six days ago as of today. <gasps> um, and she is hoping to have her own VBAC story to share. Thank you all for what you do. Oh, we're going to have to write her. Um, Yeah, well, she's on Apple her. Podcast. Uh, we're going to have to stalk her. Roxy Rutt, if you were listening... Message us. Message us. We want to know <laughs> if you've had your baby yet. You might not have. It's only the 23rd. But yeah, and this episode won't be till the end of June. So yeah. So she's had this. Her Hopefully she's had yeah, this. Yeah, hopefully by now. Her baby by now. I think, I, I think I'm going to Instagram stalk you. So you. I mean, then this is like <laughs> two months ago by this point. So anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for your review. That um really, these reviews warm our hearts. You guys, we are busy moms and we do our very best to bring you the very best content every single week on this podcast. And the most rewarding part of this journey is hearing these reviews from you guys. So if you haven't had a second yet, just pause this episode right now. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Facebook or Instagram or we're on YouTube or Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, we tweet sometimes and Pinterest. We're I mean, everywhere. Follow us wherever. You can actually message people on YouTube right now. That's a new feature. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So whatever platform you use, find us there and message us or leave us a review. It absolutely is the best thing that people can do to thank us. We get asked that a lot. Like, oh, thank you so much. How can we thank you? What can we do to support you? And honestly, our number one answer is always, please leave us a review. It helps more people find us and it really keeps us going when things get a little bit harder. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. We are excited today. Women of Strength, it is Wednesday and it is a happy one because we've got Chelsea with us. Chelsea, I would love to have you take it away and share with everyone how uh, you accomplished such a triumphant journey. Well, thank you guys. I'm really excited. Um, I have been listening from the beginning. So it's, Yay! It's awesome. Um, so I guess starts with my first. I um, We got pregnant pretty quickly, and I had read a little bit. Like, I had read Ida Mays. I knew I wanted, like, a natural, you know, epidural, and 
But we had moved to this small town, and we got this doctor, and she was really awesome. My friend had her, and she really was nice and stuff. And But I, I didn't really know how to, like, ask, because I'd been reading all this, these things, and I was like, okay, I, I want to know, like, what her C-section rate is. But I didn't have the nerve, I guess, to ask her. And so, anyway, but it went along fine. Like, the pregnancy was pretty uneventful, and my blood pressures have been fine the whole pregnancy. And then I was like, it was a Wednesday, and I was due on Sunday. And I just didn't feel good that day. I had been cramping, and so I had known. I was like, okay, things might be starting. But then I just didn't feel good. And even though all my blood pressures have been fine, I've been, like, obsessed with taking my blood pressure. My in-laws had, like, a little wrist blood pressure reader. And so I just took it just to, oh, let's see. And it was it was high. It was probably like 140 over 80 or 90 or something. So not like crazy high, but way higher than I had been. And then was not feeling good. I don't know. For some reason, we both just felt like we needed to go in to just make sure everything was okay. And it was actually my husband's birthday, so we didn't even get to finish his birthday dinner. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. were at with his parents, and then we like went. We drove the hour back to our, our hospital. And we got in there, got checked in. I didn't have any signs of preeclampsia, but she said that I I was diagnosed with like gestational hypertension and mm. they wanted to induce me just to make sure that it didn't turn into preeclampsia. So I was like, Okay and I I was nervous but I was really excited and to just get it going. And I was like I guess I was at a three but I wasn't a face at all. So they they gave me cytotech. And so we didn't get to the hospital until like 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night. And then I got side attack every like two hours, probably I think until the next morning. And then like my contractions had started to pick up, but I was like, there's still nothing. And then around early afternoon, she came in, my doctor, and said, okay, well, we'll try to break your water. Like you haven't really progressed any. I was finally like effaced a little bit, but I was like, okay. <laughs> and so they broke my water and then, and that's when the contractions were just horrible. And I was, and they let me get in the tub. Like I was trying all these different things and I had, I had thought about getting a doula because I had heard and read about that and we actually interviewed one, but then we didn't have a lot of money and I was like, no, I can do it. I've read a lot. <laughs> like I can handle it. <laughs> and so I guess I know that I wasn't like, trying different positions I just didn't have a lot of knowledge in that area so I think that contributed to it a lot as well but by like early evening I was like begging for an epidural which is what I didn't want and because I just couldn't even handle and I was so emotional I hadn't slept since like Tuesday night since I'd woken up for Wednesday morning and so I was so emotional and then I got the epidural and I was finally able to sleep a couple hours but then all night long, I just labored, and I wasn't I wasn't progressing, and they kept, like, my daughter kept moving, and so I literally had a nurse in there all night holding the monitor on my belly, and then mm. every few minutes, she would move, and they'd have to find it again, and oh I was never worried about her, but it was just such a long night, and then they, they finally had me get on my knees, and hands and knees, and, like, trying to get me to show my hips and get her to move. And I, like, actually, oh, because she was posterior, they told me. And 
then I felt her like I felt something. I felt her move, but she only moved like transverse. But I think because my motor had already been broken, it wasn't going to. She wasn't going to get all the way around. And so anyway, by like nine o'clock the next morning, so this was Friday morning, her heart rate had started to decel, not dangerously, but they were worried about it and had like been kind of consistent. So my doctor came in and she was like, this isn't an emergency, but I don't want it to turn into one. Like, I really think we should take her. And hmm. so anyway, we agreed to it and it, and it really... For what it was, it was the best experience. I I hadn't really made a C-section plan because I didn't think that would happen. And but they gave me a clear drape. They like she came right to my chest and she stayed on my chest until like recovery. And so it was the perfect gentle cesarean that I didn't know about really. So I was really grateful for this small hospital like, doing that for me. So then fast forward, we got pregnant last March and actually got pregnant the November before that and I had we had moved to a bigger town and I I had found ICANN during all of this and really found a really supportive provider and I had heard of many stories of women going to him and he was so great and then we ended up um, having a blighted ovum which is so crazy but so it was miscarriage and then we got pregnant again a couple months later. So, of course, I just went to him because he had been, before we had had the ultrasound and seen what it was, he had been so supportive of my feedback desires. And, and so then we, I had my first few appointments with him in the beginning of this pregnancy. And it was so crazy because he had been so supportive. I had had so many supportive reviews about him. But yet, every appointment, I just got, like, more and more anxious. And mm. I think I switched around, like, 17 weeks or something, 16 mm. weeks. And so the last one I had with him, I just left, like, sobbing because he had – he didn't say anything, like, non-supportive, but he was just like, well, my first daughter was 9-1. And so he's like, well, we'll just keep an eye on the weight, you know, as it gets longer or more into the pregnancy. And I was like, oh, that's kind of red flag. I don't, I don't think I'm going to make a small baby. And then he um, said, kind of like the 41 weeks, we'll watch it. Mm-hmm. And I knew from other people that he wasn't, he would never like push me into something, but I'm not a very confrontational person. And I didn't even want to have to fight for that. I just wanted a, a provider who would who their policies were what I wanted. I didn't even have to like stick up for myself, I guess. Yeah. That way. And so I was actually in a VBAC like childbirth class um, here in Omaha. And there's only four couples in there. So we each went around and we were talking about our providers and what supportive things they were doing or saying, just making sure that they were supportive. And as I was telling my teacher just how much I thought he was supportive, like, I just got more and more anxious. And I know that for me that that means something's, I need to change something. And and she didn't tell me, okay, you need to change, but she just kind of, like, gave me this look, and I just knew in that moment that I needed to do something about it. But I was I was nervous because almost like that I didn't want to change, almost like I didn't want to make him feel bad or something, which is so crazy looking back. But I called 
these midwives um, with this teaching hospital here that have an amazing VBAC rate and the hospital does as well. Like it's everything. And I got into an appointment with them and my first appointment, I just cried with joy. <laughs> like this, there's, a, there's six midwives and you just kind of rotate and you never know who you're going to get. But this first one I got, um, her name is Kate and she, I don't know, she just spoke to me in a way that I needed to be spoken to. And I, I told her that I didn't want to have to fight for what I want. And she was just like, we will fight for you. <laughs> and it just, I knew I had made the right decision. I just felt so much peace. Yeah, so calm. that's amazing. And, and so then my next few appointments went great. Like everything was fine. And then it was my 32-week appointment. And this midwife, I hadn't met this one midwife yet. And she came in and she she said, oh, did you see that I scheduled you for an ultrasound? And I, I said, no. <laughs> why why do I need that? And she said, well, because your BMI was higher pre-pregnancy, we just, it's, I don't remember the word she used, but standard to do growth scan in the third trimester. And the ultrasound people at your 20-week appointment are supposed to schedule it, but they must have missed it. And we just caught it that it wasn't done. And so I said, okay. And I, I, was, so, I was so much in shock. And then when I went home, I was like, why Why are they doing this if inducing or whatever or worrying about a big baby um, is not evidence-based? And so, but I was like, all right, I'll just go. It was scheduled for my 34-week, right after my 34-week appointment. And I was like, I'll just go to this one. Fine. And I, I think I even, like, posted on the your guys' Facebook page and, like, my <laughs> iCamp page, like, thinking... Like, is this, has anyone else had to do this? And so, but my 34-week appointment was with that midwife that I, that I had it the first time that I just absolutely loved. She's a VBAC mom herself. Oh, that's so good. She just like, she, I knew she, she really felt what I wanted and what I needed. And so it was nice because I had my appointment with her before the ultrasound. And I said, I told her my concerns and she said, well, when your BMI is higher, pre-pregnancy it can go both ways like you can have a you might have a really big baby or it also can go the other way and you might have a small baby like a really small baby and so we just like to check and make sure anyway I felt a lot of peace at that time I was like okay so I just went into the ultrasound feeling really happy like oh I get to see my baby again and so went into ultrasound at 34 weeks she was measuring like six or seven pounds. And so, of course, the ultrasound doctor was like, okay, well, we'll just watch it. We'll have a follow-up appointment again in a month. Anyway, I was I was being very good to myself, and I was doing so many affirmations of, like, my body can't grow a baby, it can't birth, and all of these things. And then at my 38-week appointment, which was right off around the next ultrasound, she was measuring 10-10 and this, this, it was a different ultrasound doctor and he said he just looked at me and he's like we really recommend a c-section right now like this isn't safe it's kind of dangerous and it just made me so mad because I knew that it doesn't like big babies are not evident mm-hmm. for induction like I I'm fine and I was just so angry and yeah oh and at that appointment right before the ultrasound 
my mid, one of the midwives had come in and said, okay, well, we're going to schedule you for your induction. And I, and I know she was talking about like at 42 weeks, mm-hmm. but, but then it was like, she was just about to say it. And then she remembered that I had an ultrasound to make for big baby pretty mm-hmm. much. Aww. And she was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just wait and schedule it at your next appointment after we get the results of the ultrasound. And, so that made me even more mad. Oh <laughs> my gosh! <laughs> you no, know, why is everything seemingly crashing down? Like, what? How can they have such great feedback rates in the hospital, but yet, and and my pregnancy has been amazing. I hardly, I gained the perfect amount of weight. Like, I had, I wasn't GBS positive. Like, she was head down. I was exercising every day. Like, everything, and I'd been doing chiropractic care. Everything was like quote unquote perfect for this VBAC, and then all of a sudden, like this is all happening. But yet, through it all, I still like felt like this underlying peace, like I'm where I'm supposed to be. So, it was after that ultrasound. I called, and I have I had a doula, and I called her sobbing, and I was so upset because I was like, the ultrasound doc shouldn't just say that. Like they need to talk to your provider first, all this stuff, and. She, I didn't know this until this this moment at 38 weeks, but she was friends with that midwife that I loved so much. Mm. And, like, not just professionally, like, she was friends with her. And so she's like, I can, let me call her, and I'll just kind of just tell her and see what, what she would say to the situation. And I was so grateful because I really trusted this midwife and, even if the other midwives would have told me the same thing, it really was like a, she, I knew she would tell me in a way that I needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so she called me back and she said, I don't remember what she said that the midwife had told her, but she said that she was in the office the next, when my appointments were all, had all been on Mondays. And she said, if you wanted to reschedule for Wednesday, that she would be happy to talk to you and talk about it. And I was so happy. So I switched my appointment and this was, so it was the day after Christmas and I went into that appointment just feeling so grateful and so empowered because I'm like, I know she's going to tell me that the ultrasound people were being crazy and, <laughs> and she was going to be so happy for me. And she had already told me, big babies don't scare me and stuff like this. So then I went into that appointment and like from the moment I walked in, I, I could tell that she, her demeanor was different. And oh, she, no. she just kind of like looked at me and she's okay, I'm going to. The babies do not scare me. She's like, mm. but I want to explain to you why I'm feeling a little apprehensive and why I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And so she said that my daughter's head was measuring big, like 15 centimeters or something. But she said, but that doesn't bother me. Like, that's fine. But it is on, like, the larger end. And she said, but what bothers me is that her belly or her chest, I don't know exactly where they measure it. I can't remember, but... She said, that's measuring like almost, I don't know if it's centimeter inch or something bigger than the head. Like it was, it was big and it was a big enough difference for her to really stop and, and wonder and just think about it. And the whole, like, as she's saying this, I am just already crying. I, it was almost like I just knew that I needed to do a repeat C-section, even though that was like the, (laughs) of course, the one thing I did not want and I planned and prepared for and, and she said, so, and she gave me, it was the hardest conversation. It was so much informed consent that 
I was just like, whoa. And I was, I was so grateful for her because she really laid it out always. And she said. That's so uh, good, though. Yes, I was so grateful. And she's like, well, and I hadn't been checked this whole time. No cervical checks. And she's like, can I, can I check you? And I want to see maybe if things are starting, then maybe we can do induction kind of like right away just to make sure the baby doesn't get any bigger. And so she checked me and. I wasn't dilated at all. Like baby was mm. nowhere close to being engaged. And she said, and I, I had been measuring just a little bit ahead, but nothing that wasn't normal. But then I guess this last time she measured me at that moment too. And she's like, she didn't tell me, but I think I had, I'd grown a lot in a little bit. I could feel that I was bigger. And she also said from like feeling, she's like, I really think this baby's around like 11 pounds. She's like, this, it's just something to consider because I, I don't think that your contractions would be like sufficient, efficient enough until your water was broken. But because baby's not engaged, I don't want prolapse to happen. Anyway, she like told me all these different options and like all these different scenarios. And she said, but it is your decision. And she's like, if you choose to be induced, I will happily do that for you. And so she didn't like tell me to have repeat C-section, but that I knew that that's probably what she would have chosen for me, but she wasn't going to say that. And and it was just crazy the whole time. Like, I'm just sobbing, and she's crying with me. Like, it was, it was the hardest, like, half an hour of my life. And she was so good to me. And she's like, you go home, talk to your husband, and, and call me back. I'm in the office the next couple of days. Like, call me and let me know what you decide. And the whole time, I just knew that, I needed to choose that. And it it was crazy because I would try to like convince myself. I'm like, no, I can do an induction. Like it'll be fine. But deep down, like my husband, I prayed so hard and it just really was like, Hey, we need to do this. And I started to feel good about it. And just like a lot of peace and trying to be happy that it was going to be my baby's birthday. And so anyway, I called her back and she's like, okay, I'll schedule it and I'm going to be selfish. And I really want to schedule it when I can be there. (laughs) And I was like, please, that would be awesome. So anyway, it was scheduled for New Year's Eve, and it honestly was the best experience ever. Like, she, we got there early, and she had already told, like, all the doctors and all the, like, anesthesiologists, like, everyone that was going to be working with me, like, that this wasn't what I wanted. And I felt like they were even extra compassionate than they already would have been. And it was just so amazing. Like she was, and she stayed with me. So she was able to be there while they did the spinal tap when my husband couldn't. So that was nice. So I, was, I had someone that I knew there and it was just so beautiful. Like they, and then it was, it was kind of validating, even though I knew that it was the right decision. But when they, they said, when they cut me open, that both the doctors kind of just jumped a little bit because her eyes were right there. She's like, oh my like gosh! Hair or like a you know a body part. Yeah, so she was posterior. But yeah, and like she was just staring up at them, and her, and they said her head was like tilted around my tailbone, and that it was like not moving, and hmm. so they really kind of had to work to get her out of there, and and then I ha- she said I had like almost two liters of fluid in there, so I guess it was just all of these things kind of validated that we made the right decision. Yeah, for that. <laughs> And then it's crazy because I've been taking my daughter to the chiropractor, well, I did for the first couple months because she was, 
her head would always just kind of lean back. Like she was always wanting to like look up. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of crazy that she'd probably been in that way in the room for a while. And yeah. So it was crazy because I feel so empowered. Like I know that I made the right decision and like recovery was a breeze. I wasn't tired. <laughs> I hadn't labored. You know, it was for what it was. It was the most amazing experience. And I'm so grateful for everything. And I know that, I can try again next time, and they and all the midwives too. But like, they're here for you next time if you want to do a two C. And so, I'm just I'm really grateful. And it was really hard because even though I knew I made the right decision, probably the hardest part for me was knowing that I'd have to like tell everyone that I had been telling the whole pregnancy that I was trying for a vaginal birth, and I knew reading all the back success stories on ICANN and on, on all those things that I now follow was going to be really hard. And it was hard, but as I've shared my story more, I'm like, no, I chose this and it was obviously it was what I needed for my baby. And maybe next time it will be different. And with how we, we are in control of everything, but we can control how we feel about it. Yeah. So I'm just really grateful for the whole experience. <laughs> Good. You know, and sometimes when you like, I know for me, like when I made the, my own decision, like it was so empowering for me and it made me view the whole situation much differently because mm-hmm. I called a lot of the shots, you know, in the end, in the end. Mm-hmm. So, yep. It made me feel like I wasn't, um, that I wasn't weak. I didn't, I didn't do this because I couldn't handle labor or anything. I did it because it was the right decision. Right, right. I love so much that your midwife really ultimately like gave you her professional opinion and then let you make the choices that were best for you. And I love that she said, I, you've mentioned like, you know what, if you if you want, we're going to be here for you and you can come and have a back after two C-sections. Like we're here for you. I love hearing that support because sometimes it goes the opposite way where a provider will not say that and say, well, now you're going to have to have C-sections can, forever. Now you can schedule this here on out and, you know, it won't be stressful and you can have C-sections here from here on out. And so I love that automatically they said, you know what, we're here for you and we will help you and you can do a V-back after two C-sections. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really love that you had the power, like you had the power and your midwife explained all of these things to you and she said, okay, here is what my concerns are. Here are the risks. Here's the other concern. Here's the other risks. Here's the other, here's the options and, and you're in control. And so, so you, the power is really in your, in your court to use everything that you had known. And even though you had prepared so hard for VBAC and hoped so much for it, um, at the end, when it was, when it came down to it, you were the one that made the decision to have the repeat cesarean. And um, I know that it, it's, probably still, you know, you still mourn the loss of that VBAC experience. But I bet mm-hmm. that there's a lot of healing that still came from that second cesarean, just because, you know, it was your choice. Definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it a lot, intuition, we talk about it, we, we emphasize it so much on our online and in-person VBAC preparation courses and our doula training. We even, you know, we teach our doulas that 
I mean, sometimes Megan and I will have clients that will be like, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. And even though like in our minds, we know like logically or like what evidence says or what science says or whatever might not be like on paper, it might not look like the best decision, but like we always trust our client's intuition because we know that the best birthing tool that a woman has is her heart. And if doulas and providers and even husbands in some instances just get out of the way and let the mother take what she knows in her head, everything that she's learned, and couple it with the things that she feels in her heart and throughout her whole body and finds a birth team and a birth environment that will support that, then amazing things happen in the birth room. And so we, we've we said it before and we'll say it again. We have a blog right now online. We're going to refresh it so, so it's at the top of our blog today called Why Intuition is Your Most Powerful Birthing Tool. And it really is. And so if you're a mother um, getting ready for birth, listen to that intuition. If you're a doula supporting a woman or a birthing couple through their birth, then honor that client's intuition. But also, I kind of want to throw in there that as doulas, we have our intuition too. And so obviously, like the, um, the birthing parent's intuition is the most important thing to follow. But as doulas, we can see and experience things in the birth room a different way and get a sense for where things might be headed or when there might be um, something coming that might not be expected or or when we see nurses or doctors start to get a little anxious about things. And then we have this intuition that we can use to bring things to the birthing parents' attention and then let those birthing parents use the things that we know from our intuition to make a decision based on their intuition. Does that make sense? Did you follow that whole process there? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a doula is a great, great um, addition in the birth space too, is because this doula has this intuition based on her experience in the birth room and the, and the birthing couple has their intuition based on their specific circumstances. And then we know like nurses and providers and all of those things, if they step back from like the actual, like what's supposed to happen process and the step-by-step rules of the hospital, if you're in a hospital and, and step back, because we've had some providers with uh, amazing intuition and make calls that might not be typical just based on like a gut feeling. And, you know, intuition is a powerful thing. And I guess that's just kind of what we want to, to mention here is that if you can figure out how to get outside of your head and ground yourself and tune in mm-hmm. to your uh, whatever you want to call it, your inner peace, your spirit, your soul, your heart, your gut then beautiful things will happen. Couldn't agree more. So Chelsea, thank you so much for sharing your repeat cesarean experience with us. I know that um, we like to share all different kinds of experiences on this podcast related to VBAC. And I really think that you're the perfect example of using the things that you know and basing your decision based on what you felt was the right thing for you with also having a supportive provider that gave you true consent and the opportunity to decide the things that were right to you that were not, that um, not based on fear, mm-hmm. but based on your knowledge and your heart. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. 
Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.